You're listening to the Hello Awesome podcast, and this is episode number 32. We are back today on the podcast as we dive deep into mental health awareness here during the month of October. Now, last week I shared a study about suicide and the tragedy of Judas. So if you haven't heard that yet, you can hear it after this podcast episode. Today, you will actually be hearing the first interview of three about mental health awareness on the podcast this month. And today it is the sweet and talented Christina Baker. Christina has been a supporter of Hello Awesome for a long time. We connected on Instagram a while back, and during an email conversation, she shared with me her testimony, and it is powerful. I knew it needed to be shared here on the podcast. You will hear Christina being brave and vulnerable as she details her troubling teenage years that resulted in promiscuity, depression, and failed suicide attempts. But you will also be encouraged and uplifted as she shares how God delivered her, restored her mental health, and gave her a new life. This is truly a real insightful episode, everybody, and I hope and pray that the Lord will use it to encourage your heart today. So let's not waste any more time. Here is episode number 32, Story of Deliverance with Christina Baker. You're listening to the Hello Awesome podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. I am pleased to announce that the Hello Awesome podcast is sponsored by the modest fashion clothing brand, Nuggles. Aiming to always provide beautiful, comfortable, and affordable apparel, Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style. You don't have to break the bank or sacrifice that morning latte when you shop with Nuggles. In fact, Hello Awesome listeners can use the 10% off exclusive discount code by using HelloAwesome10 during checkout. Go to Nuggles.us to browse their full collection today. Again, that's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S to shop high quality products to add to your modest wardrobe right now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. Today I have an interview with Christina Baker. She has been um, an Instagram friend of mine for a while now. I just love her positive posts and she just has a heart for the Lord. And uh, as we were talking, she was sharing a powerful testimony that I think you guys would be blessed with. So Christina, welcome to the podcast. I am so, so excited that you're here with me. Please take a minute to share who you are, what you do, and where people might know you from. JC, thank you so much for allowing me to be on your podcast and chat with you a little bit. Um, you already mentioned that you and I have been Instagram friends for a while and you enjoy those positive posts. And that's probably where most people would know me from. I try to spread love and positivity everywhere I go. Currently, I am a newlywed loving the married life. 
I am a part-time photographer and full-time preschool director and teacher for our church's preschool. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Uh, How long have you been working with kids? I've been working with children for about 10 years now as far as working in child care goes. Like most teenage girls, I started babysitting early in life. But as far as formal education goes, for about 10 years. Wow. That's awesome. Now, like I said before, we were talking um, through email as we were preparing for this podcast episode. And I know we were trying to figure out a topic to talk about. Um, and you shared with me a very heart-wrenching, powerful testimony of deliverance, and I knew that we really should talk about that. So uh, first, I want to thank you for your willingness to be vulnerable on here. I know that sometimes can be a scary thing, but um, God has done such a great work in your life, and I can't wait to talk about it. Me too, and thank you again so much for allowing me to be on here and share a little bit of what God's done for me. So let's start from the beginning. You were raised in a Christian Georgia home, but from your experience, the Christian principles weren't really enforced. Is that right? Yes, ma'am, it is. I'm born and raised in the state of Georgia, so we're right in the middle of the Bible Belt. And like most people in the Bible Belt, we were quote-unquote Christians, though we never really had a home church. We were never really taught Christian principles, values, and we were never really taught how to pursue a relationship with Christ and live that godly lifestyle. I knew John 3, 16, of course, and I knew that there was a man named Jesus who died on the cross, and that's about as far as it went. It was never a personal thing growing up, and it was never something that was really put on example um, from my sister and I while we were kids. I definitely understand um, that point of view. Actually, I, I also had a very similar upbringing, um, but with Catholicism and being Catholic. And I think when I was a kid, uh, I had an awareness of God. But like you said, the principles and the everyday living just didn't live up to those principles. You were saying when we were talking about this earlier, that at the age of 15, things started to really change for you and you began to experiment a little bit. Can you share why you think you gave in to those temptations and what actually was going on through your mind and in your life at that point in time? Yeah, so I think we can all stand up together and say that 15 is already such a difficult time in our lives. We're starting high school, things are changing, and there's so much happening. For me, I was and still am to a fault sometimes a people pleaser. And obviously without Christ in my life, I was trying to fill voids. I was on a constant search to to just be fulfilled in life. And the group of friends that I had, they just introduced me to different things. And the more that I would try to please the world, I realized that depression started creeping into my life at the age of 15. And... It would just um, warp my whole point of view as far as life goes. I I had my first boyfriend at the age of 15, um, my first intimate relationship at the age of 15, my first suicide attempt at the age of 15, and I had the first of many cigarettes, which opened the door for other things, which I know we'll get to later. And Mm -hmm. all of these things are things that the world tries to tell you will will satisfy you. And for a moment, I thought they were satisfying me. But each and every day, I would 
dig myself deeper and deeper into this hole. And I just, it looked like there wasn't really a way out. And I noticed my parents' relationship wasn't exactly where it was. I started taking a lot of things personally. And I think just kind of all of those things combined led me into this lifestyle of depression and disaster ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that definitely is a tender age already that for this to all of a sudden be the time for you to go into some serious experimentation that's going to bring more difficult things into your life. And I could definitely see how that would change your perspective, especially towards God. Why do you think suicide looked like an option for you? It's such a difficult thing to think on. And I think anyone Mm -hmm. that's ever had suicidal thoughts or suicide attempts look back and they're like, what on earth? At that time, my cousin had committed suicide and several friends had committed suicide. And it was just something that was starting to become the norm. And it looked like a great solution and just an easy way out, honestly. You know, when when you're 15 and you wake up in the middle of the night paralyzed and you hear the adversary telling you, you're never going to amount to anything. Mm. You're absolutely worthless. And, you know, the brave thing, the easy thing, make life better for everyone and just end your life. Um, and I, I knew deep down that suicide would just be a permanent solution for a temporary problem. But when you're 15 and you're faced with what feels like everything wrong in the world, you can't really think like that, I guess. So I attempted to take my own life and I'm thankful to say that it was unsuccessful. And I know that God had a purpose for that looking back. And the thing about suicidal thoughts is they are an attack from the adversary and Satan cannot kill you. He cannot tell the truth. He cannot speak truth. We know that he is the father of lies and The only thing that he can do is distort reality to convince you to believe his lies. And so without a relationship with Christ, it's almost impossible to decipher what is truth and what is lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know when I was a little kid, I had a family friend who actually was 15 at the time, quite older than me. And I remember he committed suicide. And that was the first time I ever even heard of it because I was so young. And it was the first time that I experienced true grief of losing somebody that I cared about and realizing that they made the choice to do it. And I think as a little kid, I didn't really understand that, of course, but that just brought a whole new mindset of fear towards death, fear towards being lonely, those kind of feelings uh, very, very young. And I think right now in this day and age where we have so much at our fingertips, we have so many things clawing for our attention that I think it's super important, you know, us talking about this issue because there are people right now dealing with this very thing in the church. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things, in my opinion, that's not talked about as much as it really ought to be. And I love your podcast for that because you really talk about the hard things. 
and especially when it comes to women and moms in the ministry, our minds are constantly under attack. And there are far more people that are dealing with this. And it's easy to say, and not to discount a prayer life by any means, but it's easy to say, just go to the altar and get it fixed Mm -hmm. when it's not you going through that. Um, So I applaud you for looking at the hard things and acknowledging that it's happening within the church. Because sometimes it's more than just fix your prayer life. It can be a chemical imbalance. It can be outside forces and you could literally be under attack of, of specific spirits and it right. takes more than you just kneeling in the altar once or twice a week to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's not to discount a prayer life. That's absolutely important and essential. But I do think that there are so many other factors that we have to look at. And I think when we tell somebody that they just have to pray harder, it makes, I think, it feel like something that we can control, like we have the power over it. And not saying we don't, because with the Lord we do, but at the same time, when you're going through it, that sort of response doesn't feel helpful at the time. So 15 years old, you had a suicide attempt. It failed, thank the Lord. But a year later, you're 16 and things get more serious. What was your new normal around that time? Around the age of 16, my new normal, in addition to work and school, of course, um, was increased depression and marijuana, um, sexual temptations, eating disorders, and body dysmorphia, which um, kind of everything heightened. And the sexual temptations and the marijuana were just more ways to try to fill those voids that I was struggling with and escape the depression and all of the suicidal thoughts and just the chaos that is life, I guess. And then the eating disorders. I know I had mentioned I'm a yes person and I've always been that person who has tried to fit in. And a lot of people don't know what body dysmorphia To summarize it, it's just not seeing yourself as you are in an extreme way. Mm-hmm. I would be a size four and view myself as a size 16 um, and kind of things of that nature. And so when you look in the mirror and you see that, you're like, I have to, I have to fix this. And at 16 years old, the easiest thing to do is just give up food. Of course, that leads to sickness and then paranoia and depression. And it just, it's a vicious cycle. All of these yeah. things that the world pushes at you that you have to look a certain way you have to act a certain way you have to smoke this and try that and it's all just temporary fixes to fill these voids and it's a vicious cycle that keeps spinning faster and faster yeah unfortunately you're right it's something that many teenagers go through but not many of us talk about and I think for us women body dysmorphia is a real thing and Some of us may have gone through it or may be going through it and may not even know that it is a real issue because I think when you're in that kind of situation, especially when you are caught up in that lifestyle, you seem to feel like this can only happen to me. This is just like my problem and nobody else can understand, which is not true. Absolutely. Absolutely. You always feel so alone because people really don't talk about it. And you're shamed 
to an extent if you do talk about it, especially at such a young age, oh, it's just being a teenager, it's just hormones, it's just this. When really, you know, these are chemical imbalances and these are real things that attack our minds and our bodies. Right, exactly, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about emotional purity on here because I do think that all of our physical issues can stem from heart issues first, especially when we look at how we view our bodies and how we view ourselves. We have to try and have a lens the way God wants us to view things. But like you said at that time, you were far from God. You you didn't even have a God conscious really and you were just trying to fill that void. And as you look back now, you see it, but it's different when you're going through it. So now another year goes by, you're 17 and things seem to be getting worse. So your parents divorce and your father leaves and how do you handle it? Well, I did not handle that well at all. <laughs> just to put it bluntly, my parents were the type, they never mentioned the word divorce. They never mentioned splitting up ever, even though we could feel those tensions as, as kids and teenagers, my sister and I, but they never mentioned it. And then one day, all of a sudden, my dad was leaving and moving out and it was just going to be my sister, myself and my mom. And it was just, it was just a mess. It was just one of those situations that it just feels like the whole entire world has come crashing down. And what could you as a daughter or child have done differently? Could you have done anything differently? Um, yeah. And a lot of, a lot of hate and bitterness built up inside me. And um, I was getting ready to graduate high school at that time. My, my grades were plummeting and I was in the counselor's office frequently for outbursts and just being ugly, honestly, <laughs> is the probably the nicest way to put it about myself. And there is another unsuccessful suicide attempt. And um, I just got more and more involved with um, drugs and just being more open to um, smoking marijuana and doing that publicly and different temptations. And I hate to use the word intimate as far as relationships go, because I think we can all agree that in certain seasons of life, when you don't know the Lord, they're not very intimate, but for lack of a better word, intimate relationships mm -hmm. were on the rise. And I was just, I was literally running as far and as fast as I could from these real world problems. And instead of talking about it or seeking out guidance and counseling, I just, I ran towards everything that the world would push towards me, whether it be boys or drugs or suicide or just um, self-harm or eating disorders, just anything and everything the world says that this is going to make you feel better. I tried it out and it, it didn't, nothing made me feel better. Um, and it was easy to blame my parents. My mom battled with depression and it got more severe after that. And my dad, I didn't hear from him for several, several months after he moved out and it was just one of those, why me? What did I do wrong moments? And the adversary starts whispering in your ear, 
you don't deserve this family, so I'm going to tear it apart. It's your fault. You could have done this better, that better, and this better, and that better. And it just, again, it all spirals down, and that depression starts sinking in again. And there's another suicide attempt, and more drugs, and more promiscuity, and just anything the world pushes at you, you take it. And none of it works. Um, because again, the adversary distorts reality. And as women, our mind are constantly under attack because we're natural caregivers. And when something in the family or in the house goes wrong, whether it's our house or someone else's house, we blame ourselves. And the adversary takes that and runs with it. But my pastor, he always says, and I wish I had this advice when I guess I was not in church. So that's why I didn't have these words of wisdom. But Christ knew that as women and even men because there's a lot of men that deal with it too and that's not recognized enough but Christ knew we would battle depression he knew we would battle fear and he knows that starts in the mind and that's why he had to take the crown of thorns and that's why his blood had to start at the top and cover our heads um, and that's just really powerful to think about yeah that's amazing and I love that analogy and just thinking about what Christ did on the cross and how he really did die for all of our sin. But when we're in the middle of it, and especially when we're out in the world, um, I know from my experience, that really doesn't seem like that big of a deal because we don't know how serious it is. We don't, we don't know how big that price really was. Absolutely. So now you're 18 years old, a year after that, and then there is this fork in the road for you. Can you share the two choices that you thought you had to make and what happened when you finally made a decision? Absolutely. So just to give a little perspective, this was the summer of 2010. I had just graduated high school and had several decisions that I needed to make. Everything had kind of blown up completely out of proportion there was one thing I said I would never do because I've lost several family members and friends to alcohol. And I just promised up and down that I would never touch this stuff. Well, one night I ended up drinking until the point that I was drunk. And that was the night I knew I had officially lost control. I was laying in bed in the dark the next day. And I said, I could either end it all right now and take my life I've looked it up. I know how to do it. It can be done. Or I can call Emily. And Emily plays a very vital role in what God did in my life. And part of me, because I will probably get really emotional. This is my favorite part of this story. But mm -hmm. I was in school with Emily. She watched me through everything. And I knew she was a Christian. I knew she was one of those tongue-talking people, those skirt-wearing girls with the uncut hair. But I also knew she was not raised in it. Emily was strong. She still is strong. She's one of the strongest women in my life. She lost her mother to breast cancer. And through it all, she had something. She had something that I... I, I, I needed, I didn't know what it was at the time. I just knew she was strong and I needed that. And if she could survive her mom dying of breast cancer, then I could get through whatever was going on in my life. I just needed to know how she did it. So I picked up the phone and I called Emily. 
I told myself, I'm going to give this God thing one more try. And I was ready to sign them off. And Emily said, you need joy. Come to church with me. I said, well, okay. I don't know. I don't own anything appropriate. And I just, I put on a dress that I had and she picked me up and we went to church at New Life Apostolic in Watkinsville, Georgia. And it was an emotional night to say the least because I walked in ready to be judged because I thought that's what Christians did. Mm -hmm. And I walked in ready to say, I'm done with this whole God thing. If he was real, he was going to, he would have pulled me out of this a long time ago. I'm tired of hurting. And so when we walked in the doors of church that night, the craziest thing happened. Nobody judged me. And I was greeted with hugs and smiles and introductions and handshakes. And it was absolutely the most, it was the most love and acceptance that I had felt in probably five years. And immediately I felt looking back, I know it was peace. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I felt good and it wasn't from anything that the world had offered me. And so I sat through this service and I was like, there is no way that this person about to speak is going to say anything relevant to my life at all. And he got up and I don't remember all the scriptures he used. I don't remember the date of the service or anything. I don't remember the songs we sang, but I remember him saying, his name is brother Matt Wheeland. And he was one of our youth leaders at the time. And I don't remember the songs we sang. I don't remember verses he used, but he got up and he, he said, all you need is faith. And he went on to explain it, that you just need to trust in God and trust that he's going to make a way, even when it seems impossible, the size of a mustard seed, which is something we've all heard several times, but it was so new to me. And I was like, what on earth is he talking about? Faith, the size of a mustard seed. And I had never seen a mustard seed. He had a handful of them. He had gotten from a lady in our church and he tossed them up. And he said, these don't take up very much space. And that's the point. And I remember locking my eyes on this one itty bitty mustard seed and I watched it fall into the ground. And in my mind, I started thinking, okay, this mustard seed, how small it is, is going to develop and it's going to grow into this great big tree. And after that, I was sold. I was like, okay, this guy seems to know what I need. I just need to believe in God and things are going to get better. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And, and that was just kind of that. And after service, I was ready to just kind of get out of there and go home and think about all the things I had heard. And these people that I didn't even know were like, let's go out to eat. Let me buy you dinner. Come out to dinner with us because you know, apostolics have to eat after anything and everything we do. But Yes, of um, course. And it was the most genuine love and acceptance that I had felt in so long. And these people Mm -hmm. genuinely wanted to be around me and just to, I guess, invest in me, get to know me. And when I was in the world, I just cared about what's going to make me look good and what's going to make me feel good. You don't care about other people like you do when you've got the Holy Ghost. And joy and love is so contagious. And I got a good dose of it that night. Um, It was... I believe it was August of 2010 when I went to that first church service. Wow. That's incredible. 
I love that. I love hearing how God works, especially because same, I wasn't brought up in this. And so just hearing how personal of a God he is, how he knows exactly what we need and the timing when we need it and how he places people in our lives that not only bring us to the truth, but also surround us with the fellowship that we've been missing, right? Absolutely. That's such a big part of this, of this walk and looking back on, you know, depression and suicidal thoughts. A lot of that happens when we do seclude ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And we know the Bible talks so much about fellowship and meeting together and joining up with folks and where two or three are gathered. And I think we were not designed to be alone. We know we were not designed to be alone because when we're alone, that's when spiritual warfare begins. That's when the devil starts attacking our minds and we're not made, we're not equipped to go into war by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I was missing. I was missing my army for lack of a better term when talking about warfare. I was missing those people in my life to link arms with me and help, help me carry my burdens and work me, help me work through these things in life. I think that's a really good point to make, especially if somebody is struggling and if they're not sure about, you know, if God is real or not, or maybe they've been in this thing for a long time and they're like, oh, I don't get along with anybody, you know, or they're feeling kind of depressed. It's a really good point to make that keep yourself around people who genuinely love you, who want the best for you, who are Holy Ghost feels that they can actually point you to the right direction. And even if you don't feel like it, try fellowshipping anyway, because being by yourself and secluding yourself will actually give the adversary power over you. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks later, you started to have Bible studies, right? Yes. I sat down at our youth leader's kitchen table along with his wife and my friend Emily, and we walked through everything it felt like and just how through God's plan of salvation and the cross and just how everything connects, how it can help me be an overcomer and live a wholesome life. And it was very quickly after those Bible studies, my first church service was in August, and by October, I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And it was so new and incredible. I was healing. My body was healing. My mind was healing from what I had chose to put it through in the world. And through that process of healing, I was made an overcomer of depression. And not that it doesn't visit me, because I think if, we, if we're being honest, that those things still still try to visit, but we know how to battle that. We know how to combat it now. I think a lot of people think that as soon as you're baptized in Jesus' name or as soon as you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you're free from all these things. And for some people, that is a beautiful, wonderful reality. But for a lot of people, it's not. And I remember when I came up out of the water, I wasn't speaking in tongues. I hadn't received it yet. And though I felt clean and I knew that... Um, my sins had been remiss and everything. I was so excited in that moment, but then I got home and I was like, man, this stuff is still going to happen in my life. And I, I wasn't fully prepared to battle all of that reality. And so I think we just have to be patient 
with ourselves and patient with God's timing and keep growing and trusting in him. And so my experience of being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus, and then a few weeks later being filled with the Holy Ghost was an incredible experience of healing. And it was an, an incredible process of God telling me, trust me and just let go trust me and let go. And we hear that a lot when people are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost is they just have to let go of this one thing. And I think a lot of times is it's, it's just letting go of control. It's saying, I'm going to trust you, God, with anything and everything. And I'm going to fully surrender regardless of my fears, regardless of my apprehensions. I'm just going to surrender. And that was the most freeing experience I had ever gone through was just that full surrender. And when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, again, it was a Wednesday night service, just like that first service I had at church. So don't ever discount midweek service. But um, I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues in a Wednesday night youth service. And little did I know God was preparing me for the loss of my grandfather and my great grandmother. And he was allowing me to have the Holy Ghost to be a strength to my family because I had just come through a season of depression and pain. Mm -hmm. And he was equipping me to have that same joy and strength to carry into my family and be a witness, just like he had done for Emily to be that witness to me. Wow. Yeah. And that's not something that we could predict what the future holds. And yet we have a God that's so good that pours out his mercy and pours out his grace and prepares a way so that not only can we be better for ourselves to live a better life and so that promises that he wants to give us can be fulfilled, but so that we can also be a light to others. And I really do feel like that right there is the ultimate example of redemption and deliverance is when we can actually be that light for somebody else when they need it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say to the person listening that might be feeling like they have no good options left. Maybe they are going through body dysmorphia and depression. Um, maybe they're in church. Maybe they're not. What would you say if they were thinking about maybe contemplating suicide? If you could talk to your past self and if you could talk to people out there now who are going through the same thing, what would you say? Call somebody. Yeah. You are not alone. You're not weird for having these thoughts and these emotions, you're not an island. There are people that have experienced it and that are experiencing it. And that's a piece of advice that I wish I had heard a lot sooner. And there are genuine people that care and there are people that will pray for you. So if you're one of those girls, call me and I will pray with you and we will talk about it. But there's two verses that I always think of when my mind gets under attack. And it's in Revelation twelve eleven. We know that we're made overcomers by the word of our testimonies. And we go through things and not to twist scripture by any means, but I think we go through things and some things need to be talked about. Don't stand silent. Don't sit silent and by yourself when you're going through things because you can't have a testimony without a test. And if you're going through that test, don't go through it alone. You don't have to. As the body of Christ, we're called to go through it together, to rejoice when others are rejoicing and to mourn when others are mourning. 
Um, and to just remember to not stay silent. Don't harbor that in. You can't go to war by yourself. You have people that are there ready to fight with you and for you. And then John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we're told in that verse, I love that verse because the word of God is so honest and transparent. He tells us to go ahead and have some peace. And then he promises that we're going to have tribulations. We're promised trials. We're promised heartache. We're promised tough times. But Christ has already overcome. And he didn't do that for himself. He Mm. didn't have to do that for himself. He was perfect. He did that for us. So those words of advice to just call somebody. You're not alone. You're not weird. You, You don't have to go through this by yourself to talk about it. And to just remember, even in those darkest days, and it's the hardest thing you will ever do, is to declare victory when you're in the middle of a battle. But do it anyways, because when you start declaring it, you're going to strike fear in Satan's heart, and you're going to be an overcomer. Yeah, absolutely. I love those verses too, and I think that was perfectly said. We definitely need to remember those things. So right now... Is a totally different season for you. You are married. You are living a holy life according to the scriptures. You have a love of health and fitness. You are certified in fitness nutrition, studying to be a trainer. You are a teacher, like you were saying before, but you also have a photography business. You have a lot of creativity going on, and it just seems like you have a lot of joy and passion. So just explain to me, how do you feel right now in this season of life? Oh, blessed beyond measure. Um, Man, being married is the best. And people harp on me all the time because I tell girls, just wait. It is so worth the wait to find the right one. Once I got in church, I didn't really do the whole dating around thing. I was just satisfied living for the Lord, just me and Jesus. And then God... There, there were a few gentlemen that came in and out of my life, and I'm thankful for those sh- short seasons. But, man, God will just plop the right one right in front of you in his perfect timing. And that's part of the beauty of living for God is walking in his perfect will and his perfect timing. And this imperfect person needs some perfection in her life. I've, I've got so much joy, and I'm just blessed beyond measure with everything. And because of the eating disorders and the body dysmorphia and depression, I have such a love for health and fitness. And I think it's such a beautiful way that we can worship God with our bodies and what we put in and how we treat them and just exercise. It all goes together, every bit of it. Um, I am certified in fitness nutrition because your girl loves some food. (laughs) And as an apostolic Pentecostal, let's go out to eat after everything we do type of person, we got to have a little bit of knowledge about that food and what we're putting in our temples, but it's fun. It's so much fun. And we've already talked about me being a teacher and I'm, I'm very blessed that they have trust me, trusted me with these kiddos. And it's amazing, JC, we, um, in our church's preschool, none of our kids enrolled in our preschool actually are church members. So it's a tremendous outreach opportunity and we're just getting to pour Jesus into 
all of these babies and into their families. And I do have a growing photography business, which the Lord has just opened up some cool doors for. I love wedding photography and you get to meet a lot of people and hear a lot of stories with that. So I'm, I'm busy, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed beyond measure. And it's such a difference compared to nine years ago this month. Um, I never would have thought that this would have been my life. I never thought I would have made it to see this day actually, but by the grace of God, here I stand. Wow. That's such a beautiful testimony. And I'm so, so grateful for you, Christina, that God just, you know, worked into your heart, into your mind and that you yielded to his spirit and you yielded to his plan. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm just so proud of you. (laughs) It's not me. It's 110% the Lord. And I'm just, I'm thankful for him. And I'm thankful for people like you who stand up for truth and speak about it and speak about the hard things. And because even as Christians, we're going to face those hard things, but it's a lot easier when we do it together with the Lord. Absolutely. So before we go, can you just share with people where they can find you online? Yes, ma'am. Um, I always tell everybody I'm Christina with a K. So that makes the spelling of my name a lot easier. But Christina dot Baker dot 18 is my personal Instagram handle. And I love to connect with people. So send me messages. Let's talk. Let's connect. Christina, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and to share your heart and be vulnerable. I just know it's going to bless somebody, and I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me, JC. If you are in the Georgia area, make sure you check out Christina's photography. Go to christinaelizabethga.wixsite.com backslash my site and check out her photography handle on Instagram, Christina with a K underscore Elizabeth underscore photography. I'm so blown away by Christina's story and her heart. Please go check her out and support her today. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries. It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.